And welcome, everyone. We are coming to you today on uh, New Year's Eve for BAMS Radio, our latest episode uh, on the, the afternoon before the Crimson Tide takes the field for the final time in 2019. And that will be, uh, you know, when the Alabama Crimson Tide inside Orlando uh, or in the city of Orlando at the Citrus Bowl will take on the Michigan Wolverines. Only the fourth meeting, well, I should say fifth. They split the first four. Uh, the, four the fifth meeting all time between these two Goliaths with so much tradition in college football. Both of them outside of the playoffs, so they're disappointed. Michigan still looking for that first college football playoff berth. Alabama on the outside for the first time uh, after five straight appearances with the Crimson Tide. Hoping to channel 2010. We're in the same place. Uh, they, uh, they, they were able to dispatch of Michigan State 49-7 to and use that as a springboard for two straight national championships. Will they do that this time? We will see. Uh, so, uh, but uh, but uh, I'm uh, here. It's Drew Armand here on the road. Rock, actually, I'm on the road with good friend Brett Beard. We're traveling to Orlando for the Citrus Bowl, uh, and I'm joined, of course, by Thomas Watts, uh, who's a little under the weather, but he is gallantly producing as he always does. The wizard behind the curtain in the city of Mobile, and of course, we're joined by William Redfish Barger from '89 to 1993 a big part of the Alabama Crimson Tide, a national champion, and, of course, a guy that's still got his ear to the ground very close to the program, and we have a lot of interesting things to discuss. First of all, Happy New Year to you guys. Happy New Year, Thomas. Happy New Year, William. Uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing a lot better than Thomas, I can promise you that. <laughs> well, he will do his job producing, do a great job. Well, William, it's great to speak with you again. Uh, again, uh, it's uh, going to be an interesting game tomorrow. So much of bowl games, especially now outside the college football playoff, are based on motivation. Uh, we've already you get a lot of unpredictable results. I know you have your ear to the ground as good as, good as anyone. What are your initial thoughts on Alabama matching up with Michigan? On paper, it looks like a game. Should the Tide uh, play well and bounce back from a subpar performance against Auburn if they can win, and perhaps win impressively. But again, they are without two starters uh, that uh, could have played in this game. Uh, that they will be moving on to the NFL. Terrell Lewis, who will be skipping his senior season, and then senior corner Trevon Diggs. Michigan has had a problem with guys sitting out, not so much this year, as they want to try to prove a point against Alabama. But your initial thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, and don't spend a lot of time talking about it on here, Drew. But when when you get off, be sure and tell Brett Beard I said hello. I haven't I haven't talked to him in forever and a day. Yes, sir. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, I I, I haven't spent any time uh, watching Michigan film or anything like that. But I'll I'll pass along with some of the some quick hitters of, of what the Alabama coaching staff is has seen on film that they're kind of licking their chops about the first one. And I guess the most important one um, is, is they feel that Michigan's defensive line is very undersized and, and not exactly, you know, SEC caliber athletic. Um, but they also don't think that uh, Michigan's DBs can cover, you know, Alabama's stable of wide receivers and Mac Jones, um, and I don't know whether this is, uh, you know, throughout the whole month of December or just since they've been on the, on the bowl site practices, but 
Uh, got some reports that, that Mac Jones has looked especially sharp, uh, you know, in practice, which if that carries over into the game, you know, if they're Michigan's defensive line can't put pressure, uh, that could make Michigan's DB's, you know, job even more tougher. So sounds like Alabama has an opportunity to score early and often. Um, you know, I guess the, the, the flip side of that is, you know, with, with, uh, you know, missing two starters. I, and I, I'm more interested in seeing, you know, how, you know, Chris Allen and, and you know, the replacement replacements for um, Terrell Lewis plays more than, you know, Trevon. I, I don't I don't really know how much of a downgrade that'll be um, based on the, you know, the month of November that Trevon Diggs had for whoever ends up. I don't even know who in the hell starting for him, Drew. Who's, who's it going to be? Well, I, you know, I, I believe it'll probably be Josh Joe being given the chance. And Joe did not, you know, have a good year this year, let's be honest. He was counted on to maybe be the missing piece, and I thought he would be. I thought he would be ready for prime time uh, to, in, to to uh, take a job in that secondary and allow Sertain to move to the star. I thought he might very well win a cornerback's job. He struggled against Duke early and just kind of, I don't know, had a meltdown mentally. And by the third or fourth game, was out of the lineup. They couldn't count on him. Now he gets another opportunity. Uh, certainly, he, I thought he played well against Clemson last year. We saw some flashes. But this will be big for him to try to get, get, get the confidence of the coaching staff going into what would be a pivotal spring going into his uh, junior season. So I think we'll see a lot of Josh Joe. Uh, and then I think uh, as far as for Terrell Lewis, who was MIA after Arkansas pretty much, uh, you know, we, we're going to see Chris Allen, who came in with a lot of uh, fanfare out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. As you know, William, he tore his ACL. He missed a year. Sometimes it takes a full year to get back. He has played in spot duty, has not, you know, seen a ton of action. But, he, you know, you're hearing some positive things that he's really taking to heart. This is a chance for him. Uh, as a as an extra spring practice almost, and then a, an opportunity in the bowl game to showcase his talent and maybe get a jump on some of these young guys coming in uh, and have a chance to solidify a job going into the spring. So I think it's a, an excellent opportunity for both Josh Job and Chris Allen, and I'm sure we'll see some other guys get chances as well. Uh, you know, to play in the game. Uh, you know, uh, as far as on the edge, I'm sure we may see King Makuta as well. King Makuta, I think, has a lot of potential. I'll be interested to see how much playing time that he ultimately gets. Uh, maybe a corner like Marcus Banks may get a chance in this game, too, who's a freshman. So anxious to see the young players and then to see guys like a Raekwon Davis. I thought Raekwon played hard. I thought he played well against Auburn. This is the final time he will play. He is now a graduate of the University of Alabama, and that's a big-time accomplishment for him and his family. Now he gets a chance to enhance his <laughs> Sorry, value. I didn't mean to laugh. Yeah, yeah, but that, seriously, that is. I mean, it's, it's just it, – <laughs> if you if anybody's been following Raekwon's journey from when they offered him five, six, seven years ago, and I talked to him on the phone during the recruiting process, this is a guy that's come a long way personally. And for him getting a college degree, that's a, that's a major accomplishment. Total kudos to Bob in the classroom and developing as a player in person. And now he gets a chance to write his final chapter and continue to enhance his value in the NFL. He's probably a second or third round guy, not a first rounder, but certainly I think he's going to have a chance for a productive NFL career. And so we're going to see 
what Raekwon can do in his last game. And and I'm anxious to see Najee Harris because he has rocketed up draft boards, William. He's had an outstanding year. I think this is going to be his last game in Crimson, and he's going to be extra motivated because you followed his recruiting process very closely. It was Alabama or Michigan, so he has a chance to make a statement against the Wolverines. Personally, I'd like to see him go out with a great game rushing and receiving, get in the end zone two or three times and be an MVP and then move on to the NFL to a solid career. But it's going to be some interesting uh, storylines to follow. And as you said, uh, yet another chance for Mac Jones to showcase his talent. And what, whether it, and then if Tua Tungavailoa is one of the Fab Five to return, and I, I'm strongly starting to believe that's the case, then Mac will have a decision to make. Does he stay at Alabama, back up Tua for another year, or does he have two years of eligibility left, which he does now that he's a graduate, does he graduate transfer to another program? He's certainly earned the opportunity. So some interesting storylines to follow in this game. Yeah, I, I, that, that gives me a, a warm and fuzzy feeling to uh, learn that, that Job is actually going to start this game. I guess the staff really does want to win it because I've heard the, you know, the, the, the unattractive label of turd applied to him for – quite some time now since the season started and we won't go into the reasons why but it's it's all off the field stuff not the type of football player he is and I, I totally agree with you about his performance versus Clemson last year and, and I guess that's why I'm a little you know salty about you know him not being able to get it together off the field because the kid's got a lot of ability I, I really um well, that was probably one of the few warm and fuzzy feelings that I got out of out of that dismantling by Clemson last year. As you could tell that that he wanted it, that it was important to him. You know, when he got beat, um, you, you know, I think he got a personal foul penalty in the end zone one time for a late hit or something like that. And I don't have a problem with that. It, you know, it's you, you got to learn to control your emotions. You know, it's kind of like the um, you know the ear hole personal fouls that Landon Dickerson kind of collected during the month of November. Um, I, I love the passion and the enthusiasm, but, you know, you got you to gotta keep that stuff under wraps. But uh, hopefully Josh can rebound. I mean, you know, there's a lot of guys. I mean, I think Chris Allen and, you know, Kenny Matuka or, or you know, and Mac Jones. Um, there, there's a lot of guys that are kind of on the clock now with, some of these people, we'll get into recruiting later if you want to, but you know, there's, there's quite a few talented edge rushers coming in, in this class. Um, you know, a very talented quarterback. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, after tomorrow, you know, the focus is going to, you know, switch back to recruiting and, and, you know, as the team goes into the, um, you know, the winter conditioning program and the staff, you know, kind of focuses on, uh, you know, potential staff changes and also finishing up, you know, the month of January um, for National Signing Day strong in recruiting. Yeah, it is. It's going to be interesting. They've got to finish strong, no, no doubt, in recruiting. And if they, they did have one early enrollee travel with, or excuse me, not travel, he can't travel, but he did practice for the few days on campus. That's Jacquez Robinson from Jacksonville, Florida, near Jacksonville, uh, the cornerback, uh, a guy that's considered very intelligent, really good size. He'll throw his hat in the ring in the spring. It also sounds like, you know, if he can continue to get his head out of his rectum, that uh, that, that Scooby Carter will be back or have the opportunity to come back in the spring. He worked out with the team for a few days, uh, did not, but then, you know, disappeared from practice. 
you know, he's still in school. He's finishing up the semester. So sounds like he may give it another go. I think a lot of people around Scooby want him to stay. He's very talented. If he matures, uh, you know, emotionally, I think he has a chance to win a job next year. So I think uh, I'm going to be interested to see, you know, what, you know, what his future holds. But like you said, William, uh, potentially we'll see, you know, uh, you know what Alabama does uh, against Michigan. I've studied Michigan, but only just a little bit. Uh, they, they, they have some talented receiver. They have Nico Collins. They have Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, you know, they have, uh, you know, they, they, they've, got, they've got about three guys that are considered dangerous. Uh, but, uh, you know, Alabama passed on Nico Collins. He's got really good size. I don't know that he's got the great speed, though. I think it's a good matchup for Alabama's secondary. So I think, uh, and then when you look at it in Alabama's pass rush, I know people have questioned it, but you'll have a hungry guy like Chris Allen uh, there to rush the passer. Uh, Anthony Jennings will be in his last game. I still think he's underrated in how good a football player he is. And I think Alabama will have a chance. They've had success against Shea Patterson at Ole Miss. I think they can have success against him for the Michigan Wolverines. And I think Alabama's going to force a couple turnovers in this game. I, I don't know if they'll play great defense, but I think they'll be good enough. And, you know, if they can slow down the Michigan running game, and trust me, you know, this is – Charbonnet is basically their, their, their bell cow. He's a freshman. He, he's got, you know, double-digit touchdowns. He's rushed for nearly 700 yards. Uh, you know, uh, they, they, they've got Hassan Haskins, who's the backup. He's rushed for a little over 500. It's not a vintage Michigan running game. So if Alabama can slow them down, make them one-dimensional, I think they can win around the 38-20 to 20 ball game. And I'm like you. I think they're going to really struggle – covering Jerry Judy, who glad to see he decided to play. Hopefully he's going to have a big game, get over 1,000 yards for the second straight year. You've got Jalen Waddle, who has an un, had unbelievable November. And then, of course, Devontae Smith. Why he wasn't a, a, a finalist for the Blitnikoff Award, I will never know. One, one, of the most, one of the stupidest omissions in the history of college football uh, because of the, the 1,200 yards he had. I mean, everybody wants to talk about uh, the Stingley kid and how good a freshman year he had at LSU. He never wants to see Devontae Smith ever again in his life, but he's probably going to have to one more time. And that's all I can say about that. And then, and then of course – Well, I mean, I mean, does, does, he, does he want to see does he want to see Devontae one more time or does he want to see Jalen Waddle pick your poison? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of that, William, I honestly think he's going to have to see both of them. I have a very, very strong feeling – uh, that Dylan Moses, he, he became the first to throw his hat back in the ring yesterday, and I felt for a while he was coming back. He's got, he had a very severe knee injury, two ligaments. I think it would have been unwise of him to go because he's not going to go in the first round. He needs to, first of all, get completely healthy, and second of all, prove he can play that Mike linebacker spot. He would have had a chance to do that this year. But I think he made a very wise business decision, and I think, you know, the, the eye-opening thing Nick Saban is said, you know, down in Orlando, was, you know, he got these draft grades back and only one guy had a top 15 grade, not even Jerry Judy. It was Tua Tungo-Vailoa, and that was based on Tua being healthy. So I think I strongly believe that there's five, potentially six guys that could return. One of the dominoes has already fallen uh, with Dylan Moses. I still believe Devontae Smith uh, and, uh, and, uh, and Henry Ruggs, who I think both got second-round grades, are going to return. A strong inclination that Cavante Ruggs, uh, his brother who was at Ole Miss and then transferred to East Mississippi Community College, is going to be a part of the program next year, likely as a walk-on. 
uh, linebacker. So I think Henry Ruggs is coming back. I think Alex Leatherwood at left tackle, which means Evan Neal, I think, will be the right tackle next year. Um, and I still think because because I I, I, I'm, I agree with William. I know Jedrick Wills had one hell of a year, and he's now starting to bear the fruits of that labor. His draft stock has skyrocketed. He is being mentioned as a first-round pick, and I think much like you can play yourself out of the first round, you can also play yourself into the first round, and I think uh, Jedrick Wills has done that. I think his offseason after this bowl game, if he plays well and continues to work out well, I know he'll interview well. He's very smart. I think he's going to continue to move up and be a solid first-round draft choice. Uh, so I, you know, and, and I, so I do not blame Jedrick Wills for what I believe is likely moving on. Jerry Judy uh, likely moving on his last game. I still think he's a locked first-round pick, even if he doesn't go in the top 20. I mean, hell, if he doesn't, if you go between 20 and 30, you go to a playoff team, and you might have a quarterback worth a damn throwing you the ball. So there, you'll be able to touch the football, have a chance to have a big rookie year. And then, of course, we expect Najee Harris and Terrell Lewis to move on. To me, uh, as I said, I, I think that Ruggs and Smitty return, uh, and Leatherwood, and then, yes, the biggest domino of all, I really think Tua Tungabailoa is going to return to Alabama for his senior season. I feel like those five guys believe they've got unfinished business. And then I believe, uh, honestly, that, that the only uncertainty there is right now, and I think William, you've heard the same thing, is with a player is with Xavier McKinney. Uh, X is, from what I hear, is 50-50. To me, that means he's probably going. And, I mean, and, and if, I think I've heard that he may have gotten a first-round grade, a low first round. And, and I, if he goes, I hope he goes. I hope that's the case because I think he's a great football player. And, uh, but I think from what I hear, they're going to know for sure by Thursday on Xavier McKinney the day after the bowl. So, uh, you know, I, we'll see. But if they could get Xavier McKinney back, it would be uh, immense. But if they, even if they can get those five, William. Uh, that would change the narrative completely on the outlook for 2020 for Alabama. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I've heard basically a lot of the same things, um, you know, as far as the guys coming back. Now, I, I'm just going to call bullshit on uh, there, there only being one first-round grade handed out in Tua Tungabailoa. Um, wherever that information came from, I, I can promise you this. I spoke with someone to back before Thanksgiving that if I mentioned his name, everybody would probably recognize it that knows anything about the sports agency business. And uh, there, there's going to be several other players go in the first round not named to a tongue of Iloa. Oh, I agree um, with that. Let me just say, I'll just clarify that was top 15 in the first round. Oh, I'm so sorry. I misunderstood you. I, I didn't hear that part. I'm, so, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. 16 through 30, um, yes, I, I agree. But I, I'm just saying this This was said by Nick Saban about being a top 15 pick, which kind of surprised me with Jerry Judy. But, again, even if he does slide into the 20s, that's not necessarily a bad thing for his career. No, it's not. But I, I'll be shocked if, uh, you know, both – Jodrick Wills and Jerry Judy aren't, you know, top 20 picks. Let me, let me say that. Agreed. Um, you know, uh, heard from a very solid source, my best source, that uh, like you, you know, if decision day was today uh, that Tua Tungabailoa is coming back, um, there, there's an insurance policy that the university is allowed legally, um, you know, per the NCAA to pay the premium on. 
that will pay him um, a big, big chunk of money um, if he goes undrafted or, you know, gets injured to the point that he's not, you know, NFL uh, available. Um, of course, that can always change. Uh, Leatherwood was never going. Um, Moses was never going. I mean, for the love of God. I mean, the, the guy's, you know, sophomore tape wasn't anything to uh, – um, or excuse me, his 2018 tape. Was he a sophomore then or a, fra- a freshman? Yeah, he was, he was a freshman. I mean, a sophomore. He was okay. in his first year yeah. as a starter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was nothing to write home about. Um, you know, I, I, I've heard the the chances of McKinney staying are probably a little bit better than, than what you alluded to. Now, we'll, we'll see how that happens. I've heard Ruggs has already made the decision to come back. Uh, you know, the, the, the two that I heard that were probably on the fence the most were McKinney and, and, uh, and Smith. But um, I, I honestly expect Smith to come back. And, you know, I, I think tomorrow is going to play the deciding factor on what, what McKinney decides to do, to be honest with you. Um, so, what, like you said, and like you've been talking about, it, it's a, a game changer, basically, if these – guys that we're talking about um and i'm gonna say this because i'm not normally you'll never hear me bitch about gary danielson or the officials well i'll I'll, I'll bitch if you want to about the ohio state clemson game later but you know if if uh whoever does the game tomorrow i don't even know who's doing it if there's not a feature about Najee harris and the struggles that his mom and family went through, you know, prior to him coming to Tuscaloosa, especially with the dynamic in play about the, you know, the, the heated recruiting battle with, with Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, um, then, then, you know, the, the, the journalism tomorrow during the Alabama-Michigan game is going to be a pile of shit. Um, well, that's, a very t- that's a very touching story. Yeah, I know – he went through a lot. I mean, they didn't have, you know, utilities sometimes. The apartments he was having to live in when he was in high school. And uh, I know his mother went through a lot. I read those stories and uh, lived in a car. He, lived in a car for lived out of their car for a period of time. Right, just like Josh Jacobs. And but uh, but it will be the, the crew doing the game. We will be Dave Pash and Greg McElroy uh, with Tom Luganville doing the sidelines. So hopefully Luganville has been heavily involved in recruiting in the past. Hopefully they will be aware of that, as you said, and do a uh, do a story on Najee. Because Najee's been tremendous. I, I really honestly think he was as good as any running back in the SEC the last month, including Clyde Ickwich-Hilaire. I know Clyde had a great game against Alabama, but Najee was equally a beast against LSU and was a beast against Auburn. Probably should have seen the ball more against the Tigers. Uh, definitely no, everybody's still pissed. He didn't get the ball on first and two. But, uh, but again, he, he had a heck of a year, led the SEC in touchdowns, been a tremendous receiver out of the backfield, and I think has set himself up for a nice NFL career, even if, even if he's a second- or third-round pick, if he goes to the right organization. Najee can play for a long time. So, you know, he, he and his family hope wish them all the success in the world. You know, I think it's time for Trey Sanders and Keelan Robinson next year. It begs the question what's going to happen to Brian Robinson. To me, Brian kind of needs to re, I don't know. Certainly he's going to get an opportunity to compete, but he may need to, to reinvent himself into another Roy Upchurch 
a guy that can play fullback and age, run the ball some on the goal line, be a receiver third down on third down, just be a guy you can count on. But he just doesn't have the explosiveness of a Trey Sanders, uh, you know, or a Keelan Robinson. I want to see more of Keelan Robinson, Lee. I'm sure you agree with that. The kid's got unbelievable speed. Uh, and then we've got, you know, now that recruiting is done for December, Alabama's got an outstanding crop of running backs coming in. I saw Roy Dell Williams. I know what kind of talent he is. Reminds me of Josh Jacobs. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Jace McClellan, who they flipped from Oklahoma, who had, on a bad angle had 218 yards and two touchdowns, while Kirby Smart's boy, Zach Evans, got sent home for not giving up his cell phone. So, to me, Alabama came out on top in that deal, no matter how talented uh, Zach Evans is. And then Kyle Edwards, who I think is an underrated back uh, out of Desperhand uh, High School in in Louisiana. So I think Alabama's got a lot of talent in that running back room, uh, even with Najee moving on. And I'm excited to see what happens and, and excited to see Najee in his potentially last game. You know, let's see how he does. Hopefully he can deal Michigan some misery. And, I, I, and I'm like you, I like this matchup of Alabama's offensive line, which I think if they can just cut out the penalties, can really do some damage to that Michigan front. Yeah, it's funny, Ted, and you just jarred my memory because when I was driving home um, about an hour ago, I was like, oh, Christ, i got to come up with a – I know Thomas is going to ask for a, a, a prediction, and uh, I, I think you said yours was 38 to 20. Yeah. And an, an hour ago, I, my, mine was 38 to 17. So um, maybe I forgot that Pete Golding's the defensive coordinator, but I'm sticking with it. Well, you know, we'll see about Pete Golding. I, I have, a, I have a, very, a, a pretty strong feeling this will probably be his last game in Tuscaloosa. Uh, we've, I've also heard strong speculation about Brian Baker uh, with Bo Davis returning, which I think would be huge for Alabama to get that D-line back in shape, playing the way it needs to play. And, of course, he's an outstanding recruiter. Uh, and, then, and then Kyle Flood hearing some speculation that he may be moving on uh, to, uh, to another opportunity. So, and, I, and don't get me wrong, with Flood, I thought Flood did a solid job with the O-line. I thought it got better. Uh, but certainly he may want to go back to the East Coast. That's where his roots are. So we'll just have to see. But the most speculation I've heard concerning the staff is with, uh, uh, with, with Brian Baker, with Kyle Flood, and then with Pete Golding. Uh, matter of fact, I, the one to watch on Saturday to me, William, uh, on this Saturday, you know, I, I would say – People need to watch Charles Kelly because, uh, you know, remember last year, Coach Saban gave gave Josh Gaddis, who will ironically be calling the plays for Michigan, and Dan Enos a chance uh, to, to showcase their talent against Clemson. That didn't go very well. Uh, potentially, Charles Kelly could be having an expanded role for this game on defense. You know he was the defensive coordinator one time uh, at FSU, uh, and so we'll see. Uh, if that's the case tomorrow, and see how Pete Golding does and then what Pete Golding's future may hold afterwards because I think everybody's been, uh, you know, dissatisfied with how the defense has looked the last couple of years. Well, maybe I'm going to change my score prediction if that's the case. I'll, I'll never get over or forget uh, Jeremy Pruitt leaving Charles Kelly, the number one defense in the country at Florida State, and Kelly took it from number one to, I think, 50th or 57th in the next year. So I might have to change my prediction after that little little bit of scoop. 
But you know, my my I've got no problem whatsoever with the job that Kyle Flood did this year with the offensive line, especially once they finally put uh, you know Dickerson at center and got the best five on the field. I, I thought it turned into a very very good offensive line. Um, you know, and I guess in, in, in the final analysis, you know, my biggest issue with Brian Baker, um, you know, I, I tried to put aside some things that I heard over the summer that he was kind of the odd man out um, as far as gelling well with the rest of the staff, not not as a coach, but on a personal level. But, you know, you never saw, in, in my opinion, um, you know, you never saw those freshman defensive linemen, and I'm going to remove, you know, D.J. Dale from the equation because he was hurt all year. But, you know, you never saw – um, you know, those true freshmen take that next step. I mean, yeah, um, hell, they got to campus SEC ready. But, you, you know, you never saw them take that next step in their development, in my opinion. Um, you know, like you've seen other guys, you know, by the end of their first years of playing, um, Raekwon Davis was, was a great player. Quinnen Williams was a great player, even though they weren't starters. And uh, that that was my biggest point of contention with Brian Baker this year. He just never saw, you know, that product that he was supposed to put out on the field, um, you know, get better. You know, the pass rush was suspect. Uh, you know, some of that, in my opinion, falls on Sal Samseri's lap. I've never been the Sal worshiper that a lot of other people are. So, um, you know, I, I thought as, as a group, uh, you know, the edge rushers went backwards this year as well. That's not Brian Baker's problem. Um, so, you know, we'll see. There's a lot of things that I'm looking forward to seeing tomorrow. Um, you know, it's a great matchup, you know, two traditional powers. Um, you know, I, I've kind of always had a, uh, you know, a burr under my saddle with Michigan being included in that group of teams because, you know, well, what's it based on? A bunch of Big Ten wins and wandering out to uh, Los Angeles and getting their heads caved in by USC in the Rose Bowl something years um, but, but they're, they're included in it so we got to talk about it but um, you know I, I think there's a lot of stuff to prove I think Nick Staven's done a great job of you know getting all the guys to show up and play that are going to play and you know there, there's going to be some potentially uh, you know big announcements and, and big news um, you know once this game is over with so you know I think you're going to see and you know even, even despite Thomas and my uh, you know, post Iron Bowl Blues that we went through. I think you're going to see kind of a you know a motivated Alabama team tomorrow. Yeah, I hope so. And again, you know that they, they've just they got to they got to stop the run first with Charbonnet, and uh, he averaged under five yards per carry. So to me, that means their own line. You know, a little bit I watched in Michigan, it didn't blow me away. Uh, and, I, and we, as we said, Hassan Haskins, he's going to be the other guy to watch. Uh, Ronnie Bell. Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Tariq Black, who Alabama ironically recruited, he's already entered the transfer portal, so I doubt he's going to be with the team playing against Alabama. But those top three Alabama's going to have to match up with. And, of course, defensively, we all remember the Dax Hill saga. He's going to play the slot, so I just wonder if he might get indoctrinated a little bit like Stingley did. Uh, to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Personally, I would like to see them on the first play of the game send Waddle on a deep post and throw it straight over Dax Hill's head and score a touchdown from about 80 yards out. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I, I do think that uh, that uh, Alabama is, is still uh, 
matches up favorably. Uh, we, we're not going to have any of the injured guys back. That's not a surprise. LeBron Ray, Dylan Moses already, they were not coming back uh, for, for this game. Uh, they were going to be too banged up. Now we know that we're not going to see D.J. Dale, so that probably means uh, a lot of Fedari and Mathis uh, in the pivot for Alabama as far as at the nose spot. Uh, and then we'll see hopefully some more Christian Barmore. Uh, he's very disruptive. I think he could have a big game in this game. Uh, somebody that's a really good defensive lineman uh, that could also see some time at the end and rush the passer. So uh, I'm, I'm like you, William. I'm anxious to see it. I'm anxious to see Christian Harris, even Shane Lee. Shane Lee, I know he gets so much criticism, but I've tried to tell people he had 77 tackles, three and a half sacks. He was very solid as a freshman. Now, is he going to have his bigger role next year with the returnees? I very seriously doubt it. And then, and then all, and even Joshua McMillan could return too. And Joshua, he's probably not going to be able to win a starting job again due to this young talent, but he can be an, a valuable leader should he decide to return. I think the coaching staff wants him to. He's a guy that can teach the young guys, can still play situationally. He'll always be in the right spot. And I think he can help Shane Lee and Christian Harris, no doubt about it. And, and I'll say this, I even think Shane Lee – could be a factor maybe as a third down pass rusher. I know he doesn't, he's got short arm, but we know what Ryan Anderson did. And the guy had three and a half sacks this year. He did some good job, a good job at times blitzing. So I'm anxious to see those young guys. And that's why Pete Goldie's under the microscope. We didn't see a lot of growth at times, you said, defensively on all three levels. A lot of miscommunication. How's the communication going to be tomorrow? And are we going to see these young linebackers? played well or are we going to continue to see misalignment so i'm really anxious to see that and if this uh, expanded role for charles kelly helps or hurts i mean uh, we, you never know that's kind of why bowl games are unpredictable but hearing nick saban say he thinks the prep's gone well is encouraging and if it has then i think it could be a potentially long day for michigan well and you know I, I, of everything that you just said the one thing that i want to totally agree with and, and echo on is what I feel like is, is undue criticism uh, directed at Shane Lee. Agreed. Um, you know that that kid, you know, plays 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 hard. Um, you can tell it's important to him. Um, you know, it's not his fault that the coaching staff at times asks him to do things that he's not physically the best at doing. You know, i.e., dropping into coverage i.e. trying to, you know, roll out and cover a back on a wheel route. Um, you know, 15 years ago, hell, 10 years ago, he would have been a great, great, you know, inside linebacker, in-the-box inside linebacker back, you know, when, when it was majority pro-style offenses. Um, yeah, he's just not a, uh, the right fit for, you know, these spread type attacks that they see so much of, where you do have to drop in, ta- in, in coverage and be able to play well in space. Um, but you're never going to hear me be critical of somebody that exudes that it, that it means something to him, that it's important, and he's going to put his heart into it. And I've seen that over and over again out of Shane Lee for the 2019 season. And uh, he'll always have my respect for that. I mean, I've heard a lot of, you know, comparisons to, you know, some other players, you know, probably the most recent one being Trey DePriest. And, um, you know, I I just don't think those comparisons are fair. Um, You know, I think he's a guy that that the coaching staff 
um, is, is high on. It might be, like you were talking about earlier, a hybrid role maybe next year. I mean, there's some unbelievable, uh, you know, linebacker talent. That, that to me, is going to be what I'm kind of looking forward to more than anything going into spring practice and, and fall camp is to see this linebacker class that Alabama's, you know, got coming in you know, which ones stay outside and which ones migrate to the inside because um, there's there's plenty of them and there's there's going to be ample opportunity to do experiments to see where they fit. But, um, you know, you, you, if you want to talk shit about Shane Lee, don't talk to it to me because I like the kid. Um, you know, when he's out there and, and you know, gets to execute what he's good at, um, I, I think he's a, you know, a very, very good SEC linebacker. There's just certain things that, you know, because of his physical limitations, his height, his body build, uh, you know, lack of, of quick twitch ability in space that he's just not capable of doing. And that's not his fault. That's the linebacker coach's fault for asking him to do it. Well, and then another thing too, William, you know yourself, Alabama's scheme is, is uh, difficult. Jeremy Pruitt did a good job of simplifying it. But when you have the communication issues that Alabama had on all three levels, sometimes that puts Shane Lee in a difficult spot where if the communication and coaching was proper, maybe he doesn't get caught out of position and have to do things he's not capable of doing. Well, or, or imagine this going on when you've only got two or three seconds to communicate it before the right. ball snap. Imagine yeah. Shane Lee looking at Christian Harris or Christian Harris looking at Shane Lee with, you know, 2.5 seconds to communicate it and make a decision before the ball snap. Hey, what are we supposed to do? Hell, I don't know. I mean, I, I promise you that went on uh, more times than we would all like to count this year. Um, and it didn't just go on between those two. It looked like it went on, you know, on the back end of the defense, on the defensive line. I mean, we, we can talk about that ad nauseum. But, you know, I, I think they're, you know, I think brighter days are in front of this team. Um, I, I think the, you know, the guys that are going to decide to come back or, you know, whether it's all of them that we've discussed or, you know, 75% that we've discussed. Um, you know, I think that's going to breathe some life into the off season for this team as they, as they go into the winter conditioning program and spring practice. I mean, it, it's really – when you go back, um, you know, and, and, and listen to the tone of this show the week after the Iron Bowl and, and, you know, the information that was coming out at that point and compare it to where we are, you know, the last day of 2019, it's night and day. And, uh, you know, there, there, there's brighter days ahead for 2020 for the Alabama football program. I don't think there's any doubt in that. To piggyback off of that, William, should, should this deal get done with Bo Davis, your thoughts on him coming back and uh, the impact he could have, first of all, on the late recruiting period, because they, I hear they're going to turn up the heat on a couple of Texas defensive linemen, uh, you know, uh, Princely. Uh, I'll give the best chance I got. You, Malian, uh, I call him Princely You. Uh, Alfred Collins, who had been an Oklahoma lean, former Texas commit. Both of those guys are former Texas commitments. Uh, and then, of course, McKinley Jackson uh, in Loosedale, Mississippi. But your thoughts on what Bo Davis could do with the current talent on the roster and then for potentially in recruiting? Is it okay for me to say, unless he can deliver Brandon Frazier, I don't care? 
<laughs> well, that's another name that's going to be one to watch, no question. Uh, the tight end out of McKinley, Texas. Because, first of all, I will be unabashed in saying that, and this is the truth, I always wanted to read Gilbert. I never wanted Darnell Washington. I think Darnell Washington is completely overrated. I think he's a prima donna. I think he'll probably end up being converted to a D lineman. But he's got a lot of people around him. It's a circus. It's going to be Kirby Smart's problem in another day or so when he when he when he finally reveals the worst kept secret in the country that he signed with Georgia in the early signing period. And so I, I, I think Alabama. I really like Brandon Frazier's film. I think he can play. He's a former Arkansas commitment. That's one of the, the storylines I'll be following. They they need to get him in for an official visit in January, William. No doubt because. They need a tight end. They need to keep Javon Baker. And then, to me, the last three spots need to be to either two or three defensive linemen or two defensive linemen and maybe an offensive, uh, an OL, maybe like Damian George, who's already committed. You know, potentially they could still bring him in. But, again, I think Alabama, they need to uh, get a tight end. And I think Frazier would be a really good fit. Yeah, well, they don't need to just go out there and sign a body for signing a body. I mean, this right. Frazier kid, um, you know, 25 years ago would have been a five-star power forward in bas- as a basketball recruit. This is a special player. Um, let's just go ahead and put the Josh Jacobs tag on him um, at a different position because he's way, way under the radar for his skill set. You know, again, I mean, I would hate to see this happen because I think his, you know, he, he's got some, you know, J.J. Watt, Boza brother ability as a jack linebacker. What he's, he's probably going to outgrow that position. But, you know, I would hate to see them take Drew Sanders away from that side of the football and put him at tight end. But he, he, he's the answer if, if it comes down to it. But this Frazier kid has everything that you want in a, you know, modern football, you know, spread offense. And I hate, I hate to even put that moniker on him because he's a good blocker as well, especially if he adds another, you know, 15 or 20 pounds to his body. Um, th- th- this, is the, this is the one guy, I don't care about McKinley Jackson or hell, the other two guys you mentioned from Texas that are D-line prospects that I've never heard of. Um, this is the one guy that I'm going to be on pins and needles about during the month of January, hoping and praying, um, you know, that, that Alabama gets. Because I think he's the only missing piece of the puzzle left in this class to make it phenomenal. Wherever it ends up being ranked, I don't care. If they add Brandon Frazier, it was a huge, huge haul when you factor in getting Bryce Young at quarterback. Um you know the 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 the, the uh, linebacker class that's ridiculous. Probably the best linebacker class I've ever seen Alabama sign from top to bottom, and, and a, you know kind of an underrated DB class in my opinion, and, and a, probably an underrated uh, running back class as well. I'm not a I'm not as big of a McClellan fan as some people are, but yeah, you know, I love Roydell Williams. Um, but but getting this Fraser kid at tight end is you know, all I ask Santa Claus for Christmas. <laughs> well, and I, I agree with you on the underrated DBs. Brian Branch is a stud. He's he, he's not quite Minka, but I think he's someone that's in the ballpark with those kind of ball skills. 
he had the same kind of senior year where Minka made huge plays on both sides of the ball. Branch was an outstanding receiver as well. I know Kirby Smart, you know, wanted to come in and snag him, but he held strong and uh, was, uh, you know, strongly committed to Alabama and Charles Kelly. Uh, I think he can come in, depending on how quickly he picks up the scheme, uh, can get playing time. Ronald Williams, I think, saving, you know, that's why Josh Joe better play well in this bowl game because I think Saban sees Ronald Williams as the guy that can come in early in January and compete and start at corner. And, William, I don't know if you've heard this, but Ronald Williams is a very interesting story because he's from Faraday, Louisiana. He wasn't satisfied with his offers out of high school, thought he could play big-time football. He walked on to Hutchinson Junior College, took him about a week to get a scholarship. They thought he would be a wide receiver. They put him at corner, and the rest is history. He developed into the what I, you know, from my best source, is the best junior college defensive back in the country this year. And I know he was only quote unquote a three star, but I think he was underrated. I think a lot of guys in this class are underrated. I think Tim Tim Smith is a monster. I mean, I think he has a chance, especially if Bo Davis returns, to have an impact as a freshman. There's no way in hell that he shouldn't be a five star, and that. That was huge holding off Dan Mullen for him. We can thank Sal Sanceri for that. Sal not locked him up and locked, I know, another guy you like, Demoy Kennedy up. And then, of course, I think Drew Sanders is the most talented player in the class. And I agree with you about the Bosa ability. I've heard that. But I also love Will Anderson. And right now, I just, right, right, right before we came on this show, I watched some clips of him embarrassing the top offensive tackle in the country, Paris Johnson, who's headed to Ohio State at the Under Armour practices. So I think Alabama, this defensive class, if you get the coaching staff right, and I think Nick Saban's in the process of doing that, they're going to have a lot of really good players in the last two classes that are fixing to replenish this defense. Yeah, they they are. I mean, they've done a great job. Um, You know, I I think last year – um, you know, the D-line, you know, the D-line depth and talent got replenished. Obviously, they had a great start to, uh, you know, replenishing the, uh, the, the DB depth and they're going to add to it with this year. But, you know, the Drew Sanders and, uh, uh, is it Will, Will Anderson? Will yeah, Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Will Anderson. Th- th- those two guys as ed- edge rushers are off the charts. And, you know, Braswell. Um, yeah. He can add some weight. You know, he, he's quick, twitch, and explosive, but he's got to get a little bit bigger and stronger. But the 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 linebacker class, which we'll wait and see if Anderson and and, and Sanders, you know, stay there. Um, but those two guys are the Bryce Youngs of the defensive side of the football of this class. I mean, you don't see. Um, now, hopefully, we're not sitting here talking eighteen months and eighteen months from now, like we were about uh, Anoma and Alfano, uh, bur- you know, burning and, and uh, flaming out as quick as both of them did. But uh, which I don't think that's going to happen with these two kids. Both of them are high character guys. Um, but th- these two guys, just mark my words, are three and done first round draft picks, unless some sort of personal crap pops up on the radar. Um, love them both. Um, you know, again, you know, once this class comes in, you know, next year the priority is going to be they've got to replenish, um, you know, the offensive tackle 
um, you know, depth chart, uh, you know, into the 2021 class. But, um, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, there was a lot of doom and gloom. Hell, we were all involved in it, you know, after the Iron Bowl. But when you look at the class that they brought in and signed already um, two weeks ago versus what's still out there to grab and add to it for the real National Signing Day, the first Wednesday in February, I mean, this is good stuff. I mean, you know, Nick Saban, um, you, you know, has a way of doing this. He's proven it, you know, over the years. Um, you know, you, you asked me before, and I, I forgot to answer as far as my thoughts on Bo Davis. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that Bo Davis is the best defensive line coach in college football. I never thought he was or will be. But I do think what he is is a – a, a safety blanket for Nick Saban. He knows the system. You know, he's been in it ever since he was at LSU, uh, you know, working under Nick down there. You know, he's had, you know, multiple stints at Alabama. Um, and, you know, he, he might be the right guy for this period of the Nick Saban era. Um, certainly the guy's a great recruiter. You know, he, he's been – you know, put in some, some tough places to pull players out of in the past, the state of Mississippi, um, you know, over into Dallas and Texas, and he's produced. Um, you know, he, he might be one of those guys, in my opinion, that's a better recruiter than he actually is a D-line miracle worker. But I don't know that Alabama needs that at this point. I, I, I think that, um, you know, there, there's been such a, you know, a, a turnstile there is, uh, you know, the D line coach um, at Alabama. You know, I, I thought Chris Rump did a really good job. I, you know, I, I think what you saw with Chris Rump and, you know, Craig Kuglioski was, you know, Nick Saban bringing two guys in that were four three guys. And yeah. you know, they had a philosophical, you know, they had a philosophical disagreement with Nick Saban's two gap system on the D line. Um, you know, when they took those jobs, um, I blame that on Nick Saban, not those two particular individuals. But, you know, Bo, Na Bo Davis knows the drill. He knows what's expected. You know, he's been around the Nick Saban system for a long time. So if that's how this works out and that's how it pans out, I'm all for it because I think at this time, um, you know, that's what's needed. Well, William, and I also think another kid that's underrated that we didn't talk about in he got robbed of much of his senior season, so he hasn't gotten the headlines. But he had a great spring and summer, and I still think he can develop into a, a great player and a big-time factor by the time he's a sophomore. I really like Quandarius Robinson, uh, from, uh, you know, obviously from Jackson Owen as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, struggled with injuries his senior year. And, um, you know, there, there's – you know, some people out there in the recruiting world that thinks he's the best linebacker in the country, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that all plays out. But, you know, I mean, I love the Kennedy kid. We've talked about Drew Sanders and Anderson. And, you know, I, I, even though they have, or, you know, and that's why I said, you know, Chris Allen and, and uh, Matuka, you know, we're on the clock starting tomorrow because uh, they've got some very, very talented guys coming in this class. Um, they're going to probably end up at both of their positions. So we're going to have to wait and see how all that plays out. But, 
Um, they, they have really, really hit it out of the park with this linebacker class that they're bringing in, uh, you know, much in the same way that they did last year with that D-line class that they brought on. You know, even though, you know, a highly rated guy like Antonio Alfino is no longer part of the program, um, there's some very solid players um, that have a chance, I think, with the right coaching and, and development program to, uh, you know, end up being upper echelon SEC defensive lineman. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I know we're wrapping up this edition of BAM's Radio here on this New Year's Eve. Uh, we want to thank all the Bama fans for listening. Uh, and, of course, we want to wish everybody a happy New Year. We'll be coming to you again next week. We'll be recapping uh, this uh, outstanding matchup in the Citrus Bowl, hopefully a big Alabama win. Uh, to cap off an 11-win season for the Tide, and hopefully some more game-changing news for the returnees will be official. Uh, right now, it's just Dylan Moses. We strongly believe four and possibly five more uh, could be added. Also, we've had a chance to cover some basketball. I had a chance to see the Crimson Tide play a couple of times in the Rocket City Classic in Huntsville. They played their best game of the year, really. I thought their most complete 40 minutes, 92-72. Big-time win over a very good Belmont Bruins team uh, that had blown out Boston College at Boston College and has beaten many Power 5 schools and probably will be an NCAA tournament team. Alabama playing very well in that game, balanced scoring, uh, getting an outstanding ever once again by John Petty, coming back to his native uh, city, and, of course, Kyra Lewis. And then watch them uh, dispatch of a very good Richmond team, 90-78, to three straight 90-point games for Alabama. As Nate Oates continues his culture and his style of basketball to take control, Alabama's going to have a very difficult start to SEC play. SEC play starts this weekend. They will be at Florida against Mike White's Gators. They will have Mississippi State at home. They will have Auburn uh, at home, and they will have to travel to Kentucky. That will be the first four games of the SEC slate. So a difficult start if they can go 2-2 two and two out of the gate. I still think, I think Alabama's got 19 games left, counting the 18 SECs. I think if they go 13 and seven, uh, or excuse me, 12 and seven, or 13 and six in those 19 to get to the 20 win plateau or right around it, I think Alabama could still be an NCAA tournament team. But uh, they have some margin for error, but not a lot. They went seven and five against a very difficult uh, pre-conference schedule. But Herbert Jones is getting healthy. Alex Reese and this squad seems to be really buying in to Nate Oates. They had a really nice crowd on a Sunday night uh, as they. Uh, back to the Richmond Spiders, but we'll continue to update you on basketball, football recruiting, is just going to roll on into January to the early signing period of February, coaching staff movement, and of course, returnees to this roster, and we'll talk about all of that, recap the Citrus Bowl next week on BAMS Radio, but for William Redfish Barger, for Thomas Watts, doing a great job, as always, as the wizard behind the curtain producing, I'm your host, Gertie Armand. Good night, everybody. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you next week. Roll Tide.